Hello and welcome to the Collective Wisdom Podcast, the podcast that explores how to be a wiser version of yourself. This is a podcast that helps you to tap into your own inner wisdom and find the answers within you for how to live your best life. I'm your host, Kat Preston. I'm a certified life coach and I help people to turn down the noise in their heads and tune into the wisdom in their hearts. Every week I'll be asking my guests to tell their stories about what they've learned along the way and share some of their wisdom with us. I'm so thrilled you can join us. This season of the Collective Wisdom Podcast is brought to you by Between Tracks Media Productions. Chris Hall Franskoviak set up Between Tracks with a mission to make the process of setting up and producing a podcast as easy and pain-free as possible. He does all that and more with his super-organized system for file sharing, his tips and advice on everything from which equipment to buy to how to get the best sound quality. The service at Between Tracks is amazingly professional, reasonably priced, and above all, Chris is just a really nice guy to work with. I think it's fair to say that without his help, there wouldn't be a Collective Wisdom podcast. Wisdom, as we all know, is about understanding your own limitations, and mine on the technical side were pretty high. As ever, there's a link in the show notes for his website and contact details. Thanks so much to Chris at betweentracks.com. Hi there, and welcome to episode two of the Collective Wisdom Podcast. My guest today is someone I'll always be truly grateful to. Way back in July, I was on a call with him and happened to mention this idea I had for a podcast. It's all about wisdom and how we find it in our stories, I said. So I'll be asking my guest to share a story about kindness, about a challenge, and a piece of music that means a lot to them. Wow, I'd love to do that, Kat, he said. So we set up a Zoom call and he sent me through his stories. And I can still remember exactly where I was sitting as I read the email, tears forming as they were so beautiful. If ever I needed a nudge from the universe to keep going, this was it. And luckily, Nick is as patient as he is kind as it's taken me since July to find the courage to trust myself and know that I could pull this off. Nick's stories and the wisdom they contain within them about communication being kinder than not saying anything, even when, or maybe especially when, it's a profoundly difficult conversation, is something that will stay with me for a very long time. We talked about identities we adopt and how difficult it is sometimes to change them once they're set, and the letter his mum wrote to him before she died, and just how prescient it was. It's a testament to Nick's mum that although she's no longer here to see it, she raised a really considerate and thoughtful son, who's gone on to become an amazing husband and parent himself. I have a sense she knows that, and is still very much here to guide him. She must have been a very special woman indeed. believe in magic I, I do really honestly believe in magic and I I was sitting working on that podcast fellowship and you had you had to write your explanation of what the podcast is for you know collective wisdom and and why you and what you know what, what it's going to be all about and it was so funny that I was struggling with that definition of collective wisdom for me is about how stories have been the way we've told you know, we've passed wisdom down from generation to generation for centuries now. And that wouldn't it be a great place to have a receptacle where you could just share some of this wisdom and, 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 and just I could just put it into this place as a sort of reminder of what's going on. And, you know, when you need that 
piece of wisdom as opposed to knowledge. You don't just need to Google, how do I do this? It's just what can help me in this situation. And I think COVID has, has definitely played a part in that, sort of watching everybody go through a universal moment of, wow, we're not in control here. And this mm. is making it very apparent to us that it just throws you into that context of life. You think you can control it with putting things in the diary and planning and setting goals and all that stuff. But actually what's going to happen is going to happen. And I was just struggling with, with how to put all, all of that into words. And then I came onto the call with you and I guess I just threw it all out there, you know, in a way that uh, I probably would never have done if there'd been six people on the call or if, if you'd said to me, oh, what are you up to? Oh, well, I'm, I'm on the podcast fellowship and it's turning out to be a bit of a challenge or I would never have opened up. And yet your response to it, which was, wow, I would love to go through that process of just being engaged and, and, and asked to tell a story somehow made me think, okay, yeah, that's exactly what it's all about. So I'm first of all, just so grateful for, for that inspiration and that attitude of openness. It was really, I think for me, it sums up what simple act of kindness is, which is to just say, when you see somebody doing something important, important to them, you made me feel really seen. And that act of kindness has kind of spurred this whole new sense of conviction about what I'm doing. But also it was just a moment where there was a sort of connection. And, and it was funny how a story, and that I think is going to be the basis for the whole podcast is, is really just engaging in stories. And then you sent me through, you know, this piece that was just so beautiful. I was, I was just, you know, and that was just your song. That was just so, and I feel already, I feel that there's a sort of a connection. That's the power of the transformational power of stories. So I feel like I know you 100% better than I did before you told that story. It's, it's so incredible. And what I really wanted to say was, how generous of, a, of you to be that open so quickly. So it, it didn't have to get to the point where, you know, I was sort of setting up an interview and then we stumble across this piece of gold, which is, which is where I think all of your wisdom is going to come from. You know, that experience of losing your mom and for, at such an early age must have been part of your, your whole, how do I want to say it? Formation. Yeah. The, the, the way that you've kind of gone out into the world. I think my my openness is probably a reflection of you and kind of yeah yeah the fact you shared what what the podcast means to you and what you're trying to do with it um, I think it's just yeah a reflection of that really so yes enough gratitude because this is now going to be the first episode I've decided whatever happens oh, wow. cool and then it's just up to me to get better at interviewing because that's the bit that I love to I just love hearing stories and it's so powerful I think for other people I mean, I'm addicted to podcasts myself that tell stories there's island discs and how to fail and all that stuff so I think it's going to be a really yeah a useful exercise for me because it is just for me it is, it is initially just to sort of collect wisdom so I'm going to start the interview with just tell me a bit about yourself oh crikey so if I, if I start with now, so home, home for me is York. I live here with Charlotte, my wife, and two daughters, Martha, who's three, and Mary, who's one. That's a bit about me in terms of what I do paid for kind of professionally. Um, at the moment, I'm setting up with two other, two other partners, setting up a, a consultancy, but let's call it an organization because we're trying to move away from consultancy that is looking to partner with either individuals or clients on a long-term basis to help them find their their purpose 
and and the meaning in their work and use that as a source of energy and inspiration to bring to their colleagues and their organization and and really use that to achieve levels of performance they haven't achieved before so that's what i'm doing at the moment it's to be honest it's one big adventure um one big roller coaster it's a far cry from say court yeah corporate but big company world that i was in up until the beginning of last year but really yeah really enjoying that kind of adventure and that roller coaster at the moment and because we met through being coaches on the old mba was it the old mba that spurred this this new venture or did you already start that and then decide to do the old mba it was um probably a bit, a bit of both so i did the old mba last may so may 2019 and i'd already left the organization then and i had i got a place on the old mba before i decided to leave but i knew I'd probably known for kind of two years before I left that I wasn't going to stay there and something wasn't right and this wasn't kind of doing much for my soul, really, the kind of work I was doing. Um, and I needed to go off and explore something new. So I, I left that organisation knowing I had, you know, the old MBA as something lined up. But I really left just to actually just get some, make some time and some space to explore and see what might be out there Mm. um it wasn't i didn't leave to set up a consultancy i didn't leave to be a consultant again i just left to get some space really and a bit of time and to see almost see what emerged from that um and then in the old mba explored what might be and i remember actually in one of the one of the prompts he's a decision making one one of the options i was kind of hiding away from was well what if you owned your own business you're an entrepreneur you hired people did all that stuff and i just shook my head and was like no um, I, I don't do things like that and it's funny how actually over a year or so you you take these little steps and before you know it you look back and go oh, well yeah i am now with two other partners that have given me a lot of courage to do so yeah we've now got a company a brand we're putting that in front of clients we're invoicing clients and we're taking extra people on so it's like oh it's happened whoops <laughs> So it's almost like a seed was sown and then, yeah, you just take small steps towards it and before you know it, you're doing it. Rather than this formulated plan of this is where I'm going to get to, it's just, yeah, amazing. I think and I had the goal really, I didn't know what it was, but in terms of specific, what kind of business do I want to have? I had a general goal that said I want life and work to just coexist and for there not to be a boundary and not, they're not to be in need to balance and that actually they just fit. I wanted to find a way where they just fitted really well and I wasn't having to compromise on one or the other too often at all. And I didn't know if that meant, you know, being employed by someone and being on payroll or being my own boss or having a number of interests. I I didn't really know. I just set out with that broad goal that said work is something I love to do. It fits in and can fit in and around life and family commitments, especially with young kids. And that was the broad goal. And I've kind of kept that front of mind with most things I've done. I've got got that wrong a few times. Um, And there's also, I'd say, the three of us realized there's a lot of resilience in being three rather than being one so yeah if if one's bringing you know if one's got a strong client relationship bringing revenue in it gives the others a bit of time and space to go and pursue other opportunities and develop the business and, and whatever needs to be done so i've definitely noticed yeah there's resilience in in the three 
Mm. So that's, that's, yeah, it's a good point, actually, because I think so many solopreneurs, that's what they struggle with is being the CEO of everything and not necessarily having, having that guidance or just, yeah, people to use as sounding boards and probably sense of camaraderie and security that you get from, from connection really um, is, is huge. So yeah, it sounds like an amazing business that you've got. um, Well, yeah, we're getting, we're we're getting there. We're learning a lot and um, we'll see. And that, I guess, yeah, you asked me, tell me a bit about myself. That's the CV stuff. Uh, I guess about me um, in terms of family and kind of where I come from. Got um, the youngest of three siblings, got two older sisters, two year and five year age gap and grew up was i think hugely lucky you know grew up in a little village with nothing except a farm and a post box and actually had a school but back then the primary school was tiny and, and not great so we didn't end up going there and yeah father was a doctor so a rural uh, gp so it was very much kind of set the center of the community in terms of people would always rush to him and uh, try and get him to fix them and sort them out and stuff and i think right. leaned on him for support a huge amount yeah that was it and kind of you know i'd say it was a in terms of an upbringing yeah very very privileged very comfortable um mm, mm. you know lot, lots of space outdoor space at home village life lucky to go to great schools went to a, a village primary school and then was lucky enough to go to a an independent school when i was 11 and that was a hugely supportive community you worked you worked really hard you know it was six days a week but yeah, amazing support and amazing opportunities and, and experiences. And absolutely loved that and was there with with both sisters as well. So it had a real family, family vibe to it. I think dad and, and my mum actually I haven't talked about mum was a nurse, but then kind of stopped nursing when when we came along, when the kids came along and chose to put all of her time, you know, thankfully into into us. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that the result of that meant that actually they'd both seen far worse things than scraped knees and even broken fingers and stuff the sympathy wasn't that high actually it was kind of a you'll be fine if it's not hanging off yeah you're all right but yeah i think that meant that the sympathy wasn't high and i'm 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 actually kind of grateful for that but i'd say or they'd really test like are you ill are you are you really like hurt or feeling yeah. rubbish and if you were then very very loving and caring and supportive but not likely to get days off school when you're just sort of feeling a bit under the weather it's like no no you'll be no. fine off you go not yeah not unless you, off you, go. you had to learn to really ham it up to get a day off school <laughs> but it sounds like a very um nurturing environment that you were brought up in so that brings me on to the the stories that i i'm hoping to elicit the wisdom from and one of the main stories the one of the main questions for me that I think always brings out a great story is about acts of simple kindness just because it's all tied into gratitude and how much if you start to reflect on someone who's kind to you or something that you have done that's kind for others there there usually is some form of connection and so many people have a moment if you if you give them time to reflect that they can really remember when a single act of kindness, just something very simple often changed things for them or helped them see that that was, that was a, a really great way to operate in the world and to, you know, smooth relationships and to build connection. So what was your, your simple, your, your act of simple kindness that came to mind when I asked you the question? I still, I always do this. I jump to what's, what's the right answer. And I don't, <laughs> I don't know really, but I think if I take the one I'd, 
I'd thought about most is probably when so a bit of context obviously you know but so that everyone else does my mum sadly died when I was 13 um yeah and I think the thing I'm the act of kindness at the time may not have felt like it I'm I'm grateful for is that she and dad treated me and my sisters like adults through that and in the in the run-up to that I say that's kind because I'd imagine for them it was pretty hard to do that and you yeah, know hugely difficult. Only, only recently being a parent you want to protect your kids from you know most things the world is going to throw at them but you can't um so they probably wanted to protect us from that but realized the kind thing to do was treat us like adults and let us know what was coming and let us let us in on everything that was happening really and i say why is that kind because actually that meant that when it happened um when she did die it actually rather than being a trauma it is traumatic in the in the moment but there was i've, ne- I've never actually known you know i can still picture it now she passed away on a saturday night at eight o'clock at, at home again hugely lucky and i always think wow so lucky compared to some people in the world who have a policeman knock on the door and say so and so has been killed in an accident you're like whoa so this is why i say kindness because they prepared us such that actually afterwards it was just peaceful incredibly yeah. peaceful yeah i think i think to me what comes across from that story though is just for you to be able to reframe that as being lucky when you've just lost your mum, that that's an incredible way to position yourself, you know, not to see yourself as a victim of something that other people don't all experience in their lives, losing a parent at such an early age. And to be able to see yourself as being, you know, okay, it's, it's bad, it's really bad, but it's I'm actually much more fortunate than a lot of other people is an incredible way of... of um, yeah, just reframing that whole that whole experience and maybe trying to take something positive from it, which is mm. is actually incredibly heroic. It's it's a it's a something I don't think many people can do very easily. I mean, I would say overall, as an act of kindness, for me, the message is that communication is kind, mm. and it's just there. It is there. That's just such a an amazing piece of wisdom that often we think that hiding something, especially from children, is probably protecting them and saving them and and saving them pain and yet what you're saying is that it was just so fortunate for you that that that's the path that they chose that it Mm. made it so much you know is there an easy way to to deal with a situation like that but it was just if you can be kind by yeah just finding ways of explaining things and and maybe allowing people to ask questions before it's too late is huge I think that's a really good point and it did it opened the door for so many other conversations yeah and and kind of moments and yeah they're really precious as well I think there's a there's a down there is a downside to it or a watch out to it which is in treating us like adults we probably well I think you do something like that and you grow up in inverted commas you you it's a life experience Mm. that does does put you on you know in your years compared to where you would typically be um, and I think probably until I, the thing I didn't do until recently, so perhaps even a couple of years ago when I, when I had kids myself was realize I'd never alongside the, I'm really lucky bit and almost I'm scared of who I'd be if that hadn't happened to me. Cause it's such a defining thing. The bit I didn't acknowledge was, was still unbelievably sad and gosh, I still miss her, mm. um, you know, in in so many ways and i'm really curious i'm a bit frustrated curious about the relationship we'd have had and 
um, yeah. frustrated we don't get to have those moments. But uh, yeah, there is a, I think I wouldn't have it any other way, but the downside is you potentially you miss out on a bit of your childhood innocence, but that's just the nature of it. Yeah, uh, and I, I'm not sure that not communicating that, if it just been, it's going to be fine, it's going to be fine, oh, it's not, wouldn't have changed, yeah. you know, you would still have had to deal with that, which which that is, is in itself the thing that changes you from being childhood innocence to, wow, the world just isn't a fair place and these bad things happen and they're not within our control. That would still have happened at 13, whether you'd had the benefit of someone kind enough to, to yeah, describe what must, must have been hugely difficult conversations to have at the time. Hmm. But I think just knowing that that's, being able to talk to somebody who's experienced that at 13 and knowing that that actually, obviously there's never one prescribed way of de- dealing with this, but just that for you, you've sort of singled out that commu- that act of communication as being kind is, is, yeah. is huge. There are a couple of like, really specific ones as well. So I think the, the one I still probably can't get my head around there were two actually that always stand out in my head. One is, I don't, I don't know how it came up actually, but I remember being in mum and dad's bedroom and sat there having a chat with mum and it, it got onto the topic of funerals. I think I probably asked like, well, what, what actually happens at a funeral? And she started talking me through a funeral. But then when it got to the point where she was talking about, you know, you'll go into the church and then instead of saying there'll be a coffin there, she said, I'll be there in a coffin. And then I realised she was talking about her funeral and she was helping me wow. get get ready for that. And then again, until, at the time, I was pretty just fascinated by this whole, you know, I was learning, wasn't I? I was yeah, a, yeah. Learning. And yeah, there was a bit of me going, oh, you'll be there. But I was probably still thinking, yeah, but that's that's way down the line. So let's not think about that. Um, but now as a parent, you think, well, you, you talked for nothing but their own good. You talked your child through your funeral. So in turn, again, communication and being open and, and um, tr- I would say truthful communication. I can't imagine having that conversation, yeah. And, and so many of us, you know, we're, we're fearful of that conversation, even with people who have lived a long and fruitful life and have come to the, the natural end of their life. We still don't always feel comfortable talking about planning a funeral or having those conversations about even the, the music that you want to play or how, how you want to celebrate someone's life. Hmm. But when you're having to say goodbye, I mean, that, that must have just, as a mother, I just, I cannot really imagine sitting down with my own children and, and having that conversation. It must have been, yeah, it's a hugely magnanimous act in a lot of ways to open up that sort of whole dialogue. And, and, and as you say, to help you picture it and, and know that, that, I think there's that whole thing with children that the more you can communicate to them their expectation of what's going to happen and help them prepare, the, the better they are going to be able to, whether it's starting their first school day or uh, a new babysitter coming or you know anything that's going to be a massive change in the routine, that just sitting down and, and explaining things and not giving them too many shocks is, is so kind. And if you don't mind me asking, so when it actually came to it, did you find that it was almost like a surreal experience that you now you sort of reflect on afterwards. But I've always imagined if you're if you're that deeply in trauma at the time, that you almost walk through it like a dream. Yeah, it's funny for all for all the for the number of really clear and vivid memories, the funeral's not one of them. 
actually, I, I've got this brief glimpse of standing outside the church, and I think my sister and my granny, whose mum's mum, were in front of me, I think both in tears. And I think granny said to my sister, Lizzie, she said, she sort of says, oh, I'll brace yourself, this is the worst bit. But I don't, yeah, I don't have big memories of it and maybe that's a good thing because it's obviously not a trauma that's sticking out in my head yeah, in my mind yeah absolutely um it was just a kind of yeah something that needed to be to be done really and just that sort of support that you get from having older siblings and that sort of seems to be coming through that your sisters were there to protect you again you know mm. that, that 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 sort of whole element of nurturing which is is so huge the the other one that stands out and this i think because you, know, you tell you know i remember we sat around the kitchen table and said that treatment wasn't working and mum was gonna die and then so i think i could i well, reflect back now it's just new you can tell you haven't really taken it on board because i remember coming home from school one day and mum was yeah she was on the sofa actually and i, I think for the first time i noticed she lost loads of weight and i was sitting with her and I think she was going to go upstairs actually. So I sort of helped her up and things. I said, Oh, mum, you're really, really thin and like skinny and bony. When are you going to put weight back on? And she just sort of stopped and looked at me and said, I'm not, you know, this, this is, this is it. I'm not going to put weight back on and I'm not going to look any better. Mm-hmm. And that again was honest, truthful, open The kind of, yeah, she was just inviting me to the reality that this, as I said a few months ago, this was it. And this was in fact it. So that, that really st- sticks out as well. And a third one, which is more, more lighthearted. Uh, we were, when was it? It was before we found out she was going to die, but we found out she had cancer again. It was, I think, early October of the year before. So it was in May that she passed away. It was the early October. School half term, went down to Cornwall and had a, had a holiday, which then is kind of thick coats and wellies and walks on the beach. So I remember walking on the beach and just saying to her, oh, I, you know, I love, I love Cornwall. I just I said I don't know what it is about it. I just whenever I come here, I absolutely love it. And she 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 looked looked down at me because she was still a bit taller than me then. Looked down at me and had this sort of cheeky glint in her eye and just said, "Well, it's not surprising given you were made here." <laughs> that's brilliant. <laughs> oh, that's magical. Out. Yeah, there was there was nothing nothing else said. There was a, there was a knowing look between yeah twelve year old and and mum and yeah that was really cool her just sharing a, a little bit just those amazing memories and so yeah. so Cornwall must hold such a dear heart a dear place in your heart now just yeah uh, it does. yeah it does it yeah does. so yeah that was a really fun moment again the common thread thing about just being open and treating us like adults but without being crude about it or anything so yeah that was a really that was a really funny moment. <laughs> Yes. Do we have to have the birds and the bees conversation at the same time or can we just uh, gloss over that for now? No, that's brilliant. Well, that, so, actually, you know what? Here's an example where it doesn't help you because the birds and I'll, I'll never forget this well, the birds and the bees conversation that happened in Cornwall as well in a pub, but I was about eight. And I think I remember, like, I think my sisters were just laughing because they already knew. And I'd asked in this pub surrounded by people and dad being a doctor and, you know, quite science focused by background, <laughs> went into quite a scientific explanation. Mechanical details. <laughs> no, no. I wish mechanical details would have made sense. He went into terms like eggs and fertilisation. And as an eight year old, you go, hang on. So dad's in a tractor spraying fertiliser. <laughs> on and there's loads of eggs around the place. Mum's <laughs> like, 
so this whole thing <laughs> yeah, so he was he was being truthful but actually like scientifically truthful which meant the truth didn't just come out which yeah was totally different to a tractor and i think <laughs> i think that should be a whole another episode of the podcast is how to break the news to your children about where babies come from you know obviously there's no right way and wrong way but just that um i think that would just open up so many hilarious memories of how you were told and how maybe you should broach it with your own children it would just be hilarious So that to me is amazing. Just one simple, you know, question around an act of kindness. And for a start, the the idea that communication is kind, I think is just so wise. That's just incredible. But it brings me on to the fact that even, you know, when I talk about kindness, my, my second question is always talk about something that's been a challenge in your life and overcoming a challenge because I think that's also somewhere that we have an innate wisdom and that's when we resort to it, when we have something challenging that we come through, we overcome. If we look back, we've, we've tapped into something intuitively that has given us wisdom. And yet for me, you know, the biggest challenge you could face is, is losing your mum at the age of 13. So I'm intrigued to know, you know, more about what you'd say is your, would be your challenge that you, you, you would use as an example of tapping into wisdom. Hmm. So I think, the, as I said, the, the one you may think is the obvious one around the moment, you know, mum died and funeral and things don't, don't come to mind, actually, because we were so well prepared for them. Mm. Um, I think so, yeah, some of the weird challenges. So almost the more the most more challenging than that was walking into school for the first time afterwards, and you feel like you've got eyes looking at you because everyone knows, and you feel this you feel this awkwardness of other people, and you really feel for them. You're like, oh, please just just talk to me like I'm Nick because I'm yeah, still Nick. just want to be you, normal. You really that was it's it's the things after the the everyday things afterwards that were actually more challenging and and right the way through so mum also wrote us um each of us a letter before she died that we opened after she died and that was wonderful it just says you know it's her way of saying things that often don't get said and and also it's been there as a constant you know thing to refer back to and I'll, I'll read it not routinely I'll read it when I need a bit of perspective or have a good cry and get a bit of strength from that but in in that she in terms of wisdom she pointed at the things that were going to be potentially hard for me in life and she's got them all spot on so far you're Um, you're joking oh that's so beautiful yeah so she had this um yeah everyone everyone says it don't they about probably their mum and people that passed but i i look at her just as you know in terms of leadership of your family and preparing them having the foresight and the resilience to prepare them for that and then gives them something that helps them beyond that event is i think like yeah mate as a strategist i admire that to be cold yeah, yeah, as yeah, a yeah. i think it's amazing so yeah she pointed at things that have been hard like um like wedding wedding day was something she felt and there, there was you know frustration in her letter comes through about feeling like she's had moments in life stolen from her so things like driving lessons exams university um, wedding days becoming a grandparent i think she she probably still felt yeah really aggrieved at having to miss those and Mm. selfishly for her missing those also not being there to support us through those things 
And yeah, some of those things have been, been challenging. I'm trying to think of the most challenging thing. If I'd said one thing is it, it gives, I think something like that gives, you can't help but give you perspective that means eventually, and this probably happened in the, the last couple of years and is linked back to me leaving my previous role, eventually you get to a point where you go, you know what, for now I've got enough money coming in and that's all right. And yeah, I've got a house that I like and I'm proud of. And you get to a point where all that stuff doesn't matter as much. And, and that, why is that challenging? Because it leaves you with a restlessness and a kind of search for, well, what, what else is there? Finding meaning. Um, the, yeah, the kind of, oh, yeah, chase material things. I still lust for material things and lust for status and everything. But actually, when you, when you get back to the truth, that you're kind of like, no, there's, there's, there's more than all of that. Where do you think you find most of that meaning? I think in probably in really in people. Mm. Um, so true. And in, yeah, in, in connecting with people, really, in a way that helps them or helps you. Uh, okay. And that, yeah, you take, and that's probably the, the challenging bit. Because I'm going, yeah, I wish, I wish I could have stayed in that job and found happiness and been like, yeah, it's worth navigating all the personalities and the politics and keep climbing your way up and um, keep earning more money and go home and have a nicer house and holidays and that that be enough. Wouldn't that be wonderful if that did give you contentment? But yeah. it doesn't make me content, and that's probably the most challenging bit. And maybe everyone has that. Maybe that's not just because I've lost a parent young. Maybe everyone has that in life at some point, and I've just hit it a bit earlier than typically people do because of that loss when I was 13. Well, except that I think you would have a greater sense of there not necessarily being this long, stretched-out retirement to enjoy it, so that it's really important to enjoy the moments because there is no guarantee that, you know, for anyone that they're going to go on into the, we're all very good at forecasting the, the three, four years and 10, but if that isn't granted to you, then you need to make the most of now. You really do need to invest in making sure that you're finding things that bring you joy and, and bring you meaning every day rather than maybe an older model, which was we work until we retire and hopefully we've got enough in the bank to be able to then go and do whatever it is we want not to postpone that inevitably until and I think an experience like this of losing a parent and, and, and knowing that yeah you, you might miss out on some of those those future dates makes you want to make some of the dates more important in the interim you know not wait until your children are getting married or till they have children to celebrate you know it's about saying let's try and make make some meaning here right now I'm sure that has an impact just wondered if if you know that in that because I think so much of our identity is around the labels other people put on us. And when you're presented with it, suddenly you're the, the grieving son, the, the person who's lost his mother, that identity can be quite heavy and, and burdensome. And your way of dealing with it was to delay the grief, to just get on with business as usual. But I was just wondering if that caused problems emotionally for you further down the okay. line. Yeah, so there's probably two things. I think at, at school, that was the identity and people went, oh, you know, he's yeah, he's, he's doing really well, isn't he? Amazing. Probably was a, given what he's been through. Mm, um, mm, mm. But even though grades and stuff, you can, you know, would have said, yeah, he's, he's doing well. But I think people always went that. And then you you leave that and go into university or in other environments where you're not that kid. Right. You're just so, someone else. So it was almost like a change of, of environment is is what you just needed to sort of, once you've got out of school, you can then break break through that identity. Yeah. Yeah. But, it, but that's hard because then you, you know, I think having that, reputation of being that kid um and there were others uh does it does probably change people's view of you and their, their posture mm. towards you 
Mm. Um, and then you suddenly don't have that. You're just like, well, you're just Nick again. Yeah. Um, I never thought about it, but probably was quite nice. But I'd, I didn't really think about it all. I think the thing, having kids was when the grief came back round and I started doing all yeah. sorts of things like watching films that I watched when I was a kid. And, you know, the first Christmas, I was like, I want to make this special and bring back some of my memories and traditions. Um, yeah. So okay. kind of going, yeah, I went back through a lot of my childhood things and relived them and, and kind of enjoyed them and went, it's okay to still enjoy those, even though I'm, you know, in my, in my 30s or whatever. So that was really, and I, but I really enjoyed that. And so that was a really positive thing, reliving some childhood memories that I'd kind of just stuffed away for a while because it was, no, I'm not a kid anymore and life's serious. Um, so it was nice just to get lighthearted again. And I think kids... Uh, Find the joy, yeah. Kids bring that out in everybody, I think. Yeah, yeah. They, they, give, they give you, a, they kind of give you permission to do that again. And I'm still, I still say I'm too serious and I can lighten up a lot more, but they've allowed me to lighten up. Yeah, to be a big kid. But but when you, when you, you know, your story is about, yeah, is about losing your childhood. And I think that's, even at 13, you know, you're still very much a child. And so it's interesting that it's good to be able to come back and celebrate that, that whole innocence again, which is probably what you see in your own children, just the, the whole sense of joy and wonder and being silly and yeah I can just do that because I want to I don't have to justify it or put a label on it the uh, the other well as well the um when I decided to leave my previous role no is it yeah it was as I was deciding that that was the, the right thing to do I'd had a conversation with someone who I well, never met before my now business partner Matt introduced me to them and they I made a glib comment like oh yeah you know down and frustrated like I don't need to go to the doctor or anything but and at the end of the conversation I said oh you joked about that they said go and talk to a counsellor if you if you're interested because they'd had experience with it and they said it's a wonderful thing to do it's really helpful and they'd been through some bereavement so I did because there was a wonderful support thing at work where you got six 50-minute sessions for free so I was like okay and they helped me through the the kind of thinking behind leaving and how I wanted that to go and but then I said actually I there's this bereavement I've had in my life that I've never explored and it kind of feels like unfinished business almost mm. and that conversation was hugely helpful in adding adding you know I'd had all this gratitude for how I'd been but they helped me add the bit that said but even given all that it was incredibly sad and yeah. you know you lost a bit of your childhood and you lost your mum and you you know it's incredibly sad and like it's okay to feel gutted about that yeah time to time so it that really and i think that was the final piece of the bereavement that said yeah be be grateful recognize how f- privileged you were to have a supportive school supportive family not want for it recognize all that but you know it's all right to say and it was really really sad that's just really hard yeah and that was that was the last bit of i'd never you know when i was 13 14 i'd never gone yeah i'm all right it's really crap some days but I'm all right. I just went, I'm all right. Yeah. Because I'd been and prepared. That became your armour almost. Yeah, I think I'd have felt guilty for doing anything, but I'd probably felt like I was letting mum down, actually. So it was really, that was really relieving at the beginning of last year to just add that bit to the narrative and say, okay, yeah, it's okay to say mm. that I'm gutted and you miss her. So that was probably, the, to your question, that was the last bit around the delayed grieving Piece. yeah so as a child you didn't really receive any therapy it was sort of no, within the family no we didn't and we didn't none of us talked about it loads yeah we we talk about mum and stuff but we wouldn't talk about how we were feeling about it wow um 
we did a did we? not that I remember anyway no not that I remember we do we do a lot together we'd have a lot of fun together still and we'd yeah. remember mum and we'd remember family memories it wasn't like a take all the photos down and nothing like that no 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 it was like an unspoken but thing just but... just not not feeling that you could burden other people with how you were feeling if you were feeling sad it was more yeah. about trying to keep spirits high and support your sisters and your father and presumably your your mother's parents who are also grieving themselves. No, it's really, um, to me, that the, the piece that came out from, from what you were saying was just, yeah, sometimes we just have to acknowledge how we're feeling and and yet we strive not to. The, the answer to how are you is I'm fine, thanks. Not, well, actually, it's been a terrible day. You know, we're not, we don't expect people to to offload um and and yet by acknowledging those feelings i think that's that's how we process them yeah and it, it's similar cat it's back is i never made these connections before so i'm really grateful it, it's back to the communicate openly and treat people like adults we, yeah. we don't do that stuff because either we're embarrassed or we're afraid of burdening or upsetting the other yeah. person so we're doing it to try and either protect ourselves or protect the other person it's like it doesn't work no, so and yet if you need to tell someone you're going to die, tell them. Don't protect them. If you need to tell someone you've had a really bad day because you're missing someone, yeah, tell them. Don't protect them. And I think we probably all we are probably all you know the the four of us we probably all didn't share that stuff to protect each other. So no, um, so sad. So it, yeah, but um, and yet yeah. here you are now passing on that wisdom. And I I just have this feeling that your mum's kind of looking down on you now and. Yeah, being incredibly proud, incredibly proud. Thank you. Uh, one of the, the aspirations for this podcast is to create a playlist because I think that music is such a universal language. And I think going through the process of talking to different people and hearing their stories, most people have a story around a piece of music or a song that brings great memories, has some meaning, has a story behind it. Um, and I know that you you chose American Pie by Don McLean as your song, which, um, which filled my heart with joy because it's a, a song that means so much to me as well. Um, I, I used to live in the, in the US and it's, it's just always been a song that reminds me of my parents when I was growing up because they played it nonstop. It's music that takes me right back to my childhood. So what's your connection to American Pie? Um, so we, summer after mum passed away, we went to Cornwall as we as we had done every year. Same place, kind of same cottage. Uh, each of us, I think we went for two weeks and each of us, each of the kids had you know, a friend at different points in the week. So there were people, different points in the two weeks, so people coming and going. But we always seemed to play that song, even if it was so back in the day, CDs, CD player in the cottage or if we're in the car going somewhere because it was chucking down with rain and we went on the beach, that song would be on. Amazing. So just, yeah, just some extremely fond memories, really, because it was a, it was a ha really happy holiday. Yeah. And that yeah. I, I love the way that you have this place now that you can go to Cornwall and just it's this sort of safe haven, this place that has so many great memories and so many great associations. And the music takes you, takes you right there. Sounds it, magical. It, yeah takes me all over and then it coming through it's always been it's always been there actually as a song always yeah always loved it and, and so many people do right it's a it's a good party song and everyone will sing along to it and then un, unbeknown to us on our wedding day right at the end of the evening Charlotte and I got 
I say invited, but basically thrown on stage by a couple of our ushers. And the, yeah, the band were in on this. We had no idea. And they kind of made us sing it, which was um, <laughs> yeah, terrifying for a moment. But when you've had a few drinks and you're, you're high on life because of the day it is, you just get stuck in. And it was, it was great fun. Really, really oh, good. That just um, sounds absolutely fabulous. Really. And then, as you, funny enough, two weeks later, we um, we'd been on honeymoon. Two weeks later, we got back and went to one of our ushers was getting married. Same band. Um, they've done a lot of our, our friends' weddings, and we we borrowed them from another friend's wedding. So not original. And yeah, again, we got got thrown on stage there and sang it again with the bride and groom. So it's, oh, yeah. amazing! A lot of memories, more recent memories of Cascade, and it was a it was one. So Charlotte's not the best at remembering song lyrics. But this one, for some reason, she she knows all the lyrics too, which is a miracle. And it's because I think when she was younger, a babysitter that they had um, would always put it on. So, yes, it goes way back for her as well. Fabulous. Oh, I love that story. So so thank you so much for sharing. And I'm so pleased that it's going to be number one song on the... um, on the Collective Wisdom playlist. I think that's just going to be such a, a great way to kick it off. So I'd like to say thank you, thank you, thank you, Nick, for, for being so open and for sharing so generously your amazing wisdom around what it is to go through such a traumatic event in childhood and finding resolve. And yeah, the thing that came across for me is just that whole message around communication being kind. If you can just get your feelings out there and tell people how you're feeling, how much more open and honest and connected you're going to feel going forward. Incredible. Well, thank you for asking questions that help me reflect on, yeah, some important moments in life. I've really benefited from it and made that, you pulled out for me that thread of kind of open communication, however, you know, however hurtful you think it might be at the time. If your intent is sound, you know, be open, treat people like adults. And I must put my hand up because anyone who knows me will be laughing going, what? You're rubbish. Like, yeah. still still massive massive work in progress just because i just because i was on the receiving end of this wonderful gift as a child doesn't mean i'm any good at it um i'm not so i I think i've got to get that caveat in there if this gets recorded and put out anywhere in public because people will just be like yes you hypocrite Um, (laughs) but that is so that's what this is about it's about the fact that we so often we know these things and yet we don't apply them in our own lives in other people's lives you know that's what collective wisdom is all about it's about saying learning through other people's stories and then it's not about knowing it's about applying it so there's a phrase that says knowledge is knowing the answer and wisdom is asking better questions or knowledge is knowing what to say and wisdom is knowing when to say it and it's it's that essence that I really wanted to get into because For me, as a coach, there's so many stories that people tell themselves and I can identify ways of saying, can't you see that this is such, you've got so many other options than the two that you've put on the table, for example, or there are so many other ways of approaching this. And yet when I try and apply that to my own parenting situation, when you find yourself in the thick of a, a moment where you're just going why am I being so stupid? You know, why am I not just getting on with this? It's so hard to be wise. And yet... We're surrounded by yeah great stories and people who can help us with that. But that's what collective wisdom is is going to be about. It's about trying to help people apply not just the knowledge, the facts that they know, but actually to live in that way 
and, and to become more wise as a result. And, and I think that's going to help sort of humanity move forward because it, we just need a little bit more wisdom generally because it, it always helps. It always helps. But no, thank you so much. That no, was, no, that was incredible. Those, those, those moments of, yeah, like you say, that your trauma is your trauma and you should acknowledge those feelings and, and not, um, because there was that reframe of, of I'm lucky compared to someone who's, who lost somebody in an accident, but actually I'm still not very lucky. You know, that still feels really painful and, and, and is a loss is, is something I have to acknowledge. It's huge. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really important. Thank you so much for listening. There are almost a million podcasts out there to choose from. So I really appreciate you for choosing this one and spending your valuable time with me today. If you found it helpful, I would be truly grateful if you would rate and review it as it helps others to find us. And if you haven't already, you can hit the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts to be sure of getting every episode sent to you. You can find all the resources we talk about and more about my guests in the show notes over at collectivewisdom.podbean.com or you can find me on Instagram at collectivewisdompod where I'd love to hear any feedback, suggestions for new guests or comments that you have. I'd love to hear from you. And if you're interested to know more about how my coaching can help you, you can find more about that on my website at catpreston.com. Thank you so much for joining me.